I looked at it and I stopped and, and I started studying what I thought it might be and I knew something wasn't right. This thing starts standing up. Well, this thing continues to stand and it goes above the limb and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? And it's sitting there and pretty soon it just kind of starts to rock from back and forth and then I realize I'm in trouble because this is not something I've ever seen. This is the Cryptic Creatures Podcast. I am Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Todd. What's going on, buddy? Hey, we got a good show tonight. We got William Lunsford coming on. William lives down there near Falk, Arkansas. That's right. You know, he saw this creature back when he was a kid in the 70s, so I'm thinking we've got a Falk mm -hmm. Monster episode coming up here. I can't wait to hear it. That's pretty cool. It's going to be good. Mm -hmm. I never thought we'd, we'd be talking to somebody that, that's... I know, that actually might have seen the Falk Monster. This is cool. Let's not waste yeah. any more time. Let's get him on here. You ready? Okay, let's get him. You're listening to the Cryptid Creatures Podcast with Todd and Brian. If you've had an encounter and want to be on the show, email us at info at cryptidcreatures.co. Or visit our website at www.cryptidcreatures.net. William, thank you for coming on and talking to us today. I'm mean, glad to be here, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it. So we saw your episode on These Woods Are Haunted uh, about your Bigfoot encounters you've had in your lifetime. And they started right. back in the 70s. Is that right? Yep. Yes, exactly right. 1977. Why don't you tell us what happened? Oh man, I was uh, back then. Uh, I was a senior in high school. I uh, was fixing to go to college, and uh, I was a teacher's aide um, there for one of my coaches. I had four periods a day of, of actual classes, then two there that I just had to fill with it as far as just general space there. So I spent two periods as teacher's aide. And so once I got through grading papers, I was able to go. Uh, then he would let me go if he didn't have things going. Then I could go to a place of gravel pits down here in Texarkana. And uh, these gravel pits were where they had barred gravel, built the roadways and things like that. And so uh, whenever I went down there that day, he said, he told me, he said, if you don't have anything, I don't have anything going on. As soon as you get through, he said, you can go. So, man, that was, you didn't have to ask me twice on that right there. So uh, it's like, like I say, it's like a roadrunner cartoon, man, the highway curl up behind my, my vehicle getting down there. <laughs> that was my way to re relax, my way to have a good time. And, uh, and uh, like, so, uh, and, and anytime I got the opportunity, I had been fishing ever since I was a little kid. And uh, so I took off there that day. And so uh, whenever I got down to where I was going, man, it was just like any other day that I'd ever had there in my life. Man, I stopped and got me something to drink, candy bar. Man, I was charged up, energy was ready to go, you know. And so uh, as I got down there, then uh, there's a place in there. I had to walk about a mile to probably a mile to a mile and a quarter to get to my first gravel pit. And uh, the one that I normally fished, I had one there on the side that normally wasn't very good, but I had to walk about that far. So, man, I just kind of took my time. But it wasn't, oh, I wasn't there 10 minutes while I done caught my first, you know, my first three-pound bass, you know. So, man, I'm feeling real good. And so uh, I'm going down there. I cross this four-mile creek that I go to and then come up on this gas line that was owned by Natural Gas Pipeline. And then on both sides of this gas line, there were a bunch of gravel pits. 
and uh, so uh, the ones on the right were generally better. I had some that I fished across there, but but uh, as a rule there, I would fish all these on this one side and try to make my day to where I was right there at the end of the day by these bits that were right across, and then I would come back with just enough daylight. Well, before about two weeks before I was down here this day, um, I had been down there. I lost one of my favorite lures, and so I had come in. And uh, about two weeks before, and I was going to try to get my lure back out of the tree. So I carried something with me there to, to fish it out. And so uh, I had parked at a different place than where I normally parked, and a place there across Days Creek. And there was a little ford there that was probably a foot and a half deep that you could cross on this gravel. And uh, so I parked over there then, like I said, wandered down this gas line, went down to where I could get my bait. I get my bait, I fish a little bit, and uh, didn't have as much time, so I'm on my way back out. And so when I'm on my way back out, uh, I began to hear something that was walking beside me over there inside the wood line on the left-hand side of this gas line. And first I stopped and I thought, uh, it's just your imagination. There's nothing like that. So anyway, I start walking again. Well, pretty soon, whatever it is, is over there beside me again, walking through there. And it's making it's making a pretty good racket. You know, down here, there's a lot of, of leaves and, and a lot of forest litter there. And you know, a lot of times it's birds. Sometimes we have a lot of armadillos. We have a lot of possum, you know, small game and stuff like that. I thought, man, it's just your imagination. You just So anyway, I kept walking. Well, pretty soon, wherever I did, it began to walk with a little bit more, let me say, purpose as far as that go. You could tell that it was actually... Uh, I felt like it was paying attention to me, but I wasn't sure. I stopped and I hollered and I, I thought it might be some of my buddies that knew I fished down there. And so whenever I stopped, I said, hey, I said, you're not scaring me. I know you're over there. So why don't y'all come on out? Well, man, of course, nothing comes out. So I stood there for a minute or two. And finally, I took back off them walking down the uh, gas line again. Pretty soon, wherever this is, catches back up to me. And it's, it's over there. It's, it's not, it's not, but, uh, actually beside me as far as that goes but it's over here on inside the wood line and it's just a little bit behind me but i mean it's just right there so it can keep an eye on me and i realized right then that whatever it is it's pretty much paying attention to me so i start jogging just a little bit and whenever i do then this thing starts kind of quickening its pace as well well man i did not know what it was but i knew that we had it that we had coyotes we have panthers we have bobcats we actually had a few bears back at that time and i thought well man you probably need to quicken this up a little bit so i did so i started running and whenever i did you can hear this thing boom 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 crashing through the woods over there still to the side i get to the creek to the place that i have to enter the woods to go back and cross this forward and when i do this thing screams at me and when it screamed it was unlike anything that i've ever heard in my life and it was so terrifying because it, it would have had I not been so afraid it would just stop me dead in my tracks but I turned around looked, see what it was could see nothing but I knew it wasn't anything I wanted to deal with so I took off running down through the woods and, and again going down through these woods there we have poisonous snakes venomous snakes uh, we have these animals that are uh, as I said can be dangerous to your health and I didn't even pay any attention to that I felt like whatever it was that I'd heard over there pacing me and especially with that noise because the noise like the noise was actually so loud it was like somebody has pulled up next to you there at a stop sign with one of those boomers or woofers or whatever they call it's just boom, 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 and you could hear the, the noise, and the noise would actually vibrate your clothes. And it was the loudest thing I'd ever heard. And so I, I run across this ford when I finally get to it, come up on the road, and run back down the road to where my vehicle is, and there's nothing there. I stop and I look and look and look, and there's nothing there. And I thought, well, man, you just dodged a bullet, whatever that was, you know. So uh, anyway, I went on home that night. Whenever I did, I went to we had a, a, a local discount center here, very similar to what it would now be our Walmart, but it was either Gibson's or Howard's, right as they were changing, uh, right as they were changing owners there. And so I went and I bought me a Bowie knife, and I thought, well, this is going balance things out for me so again i'm back here then that one day that i that the, the my coach has let me go and he is gone so i am uh, down there fishing go fishing and i said it was just a normal day man it was just a nice nice kind of a 
southern breeze there. The only thing that was a little different, there was two things. I said normally we had uh, a lot of small wildlife there, but uh, but there was generally some. We have what's called swamp jacks, and their daggum jackrabbits is just huge. And when they come out, they look about the size of a small bobcat. And then they they run out there in front, run a little bit, and then run back in. And if you're not ready for them, I said they'll give you a heart attack. And then the other thing that I noticed is was the same thing that when I was there a couple of weeks before there, there was a smell there, a very putrid smell. Now, now this was not uncommon because uh, of, of all the gravel pits. There were a lot of stuff that would eat the fish. They'd drag the fish up onto the, uh, up into the road. It would drag the fish onto the, uh, the different levees that were there. They wouldn't finish them. The sun would go to ripen them. And they, man, they would just really, really stink. Then sometimes you would find the smaller animals that had been caught by the bigger animals and, and what's left of them would still be there. But this wasn't that kind of smell. And it wasn't that kind two weeks ago when I'm down there. So as I'm walking down there, uh, I catch my first bass, man, I'm in good shape. Pretty soon I'm forgetting all about the smell, uh, forgetting all about two weeks before there, you know, whenever I was down there, whatever had happened to me before. And I'm into the day like I normally have been, just you know, time and time and time again whenever I go down there. But I kept noticing that as I walked further down this gas line towards this place that we call the crossroads, the smell kept getting worse. And I thought, well, somebody's done killed a deer. They've done, you know, gutted something down there and they've got it out there piled up in the middle. So I fish a little bit longer, and as I get on down there, uh, I get ready to cross the crossroads, and I would always stop because we didn't have a lot of deer in Arkansas at that time, but there tend to be, uh, this this crossroads actually had a canopy of trees over the top there, so it's a little bit darker, so if you would stop and see, you could actually see some deer, so I'd always stop, and I'd glance down there and look and see what I could see, you know, on the chance of seeing that right there, because that was still a thrill to a 17-year-old kid, even though I, you know, I, I deer hunted all the time, I mean, uh, so whenever I'm down there and I start to cross this gas line, I notice there's a shape over there, it's on the left-hand side, and this shape was, I had never noticed being there before, and I was there so many times at the same time of day, and uh, so I looked at it and I stopped and, and I started studying what the what I thought it might be. And and finally it wouldn't move. So I sit there and I took another step and then I stopped again and I had this six sense feeling. I'm not normally a feeling kind of person, especially at that kind of time, but I knew something wasn't right. And so I stood there and I thought, man, look, again, you're you're having an uh, imagination from two weeks ago. You're, you're letting your imagination run wild with you. Here it is right at twilight. The sun's just kind of starting to set just a little bit. And I've got time to go hit these last two pits. So I, you know, I'm chasing myself. I said, come on, silly. So I start walking across. Well, when I does, this thing starts standing up and this shape starts standing up and whenever it does it stands to the point it has a limb in front of its face over here with its left hand and it stands up and the limb gets up to about oh heck i don't know maybe five to six feet well this thing continues to stand and it goes above the limb and i'm like oh my gosh what is this well my first thought and, and you'll hear this with a lot of, of people who have had bigfoot encounters their first thought is going to be bear even though we didn't have that many down here and i'd seen bear but i knew it was too big to be a bear and so then I sit there and look some more and I thought, oh man, that's a sloth. Well, like I said, Arkansas doesn't have sloths. And I thought, well, what, you know, what can it be? And I knew it wasn't anybody again in any kind of a, a costume down there. It was way too hot. It was way too far to walk. And so I knew it wasn't anybody that was down there trying to prank me in a costume. Well, finally this thing starts walking out and it walks out of there and it stops on this little road, this road that goes through there where the crossroads is. And this thing is about seven and a half to eight foot tall. And it's black as ace of spades. Looks like maybe there's a little bit of, of, of maybe a brown tint or reddish tint, depending on how the how the glint from the sun. But anyway, it sits here, looks at me, and I'm trying to figure out what this is. 
this thing is staring a hole through me. And like I said, the eyes, the eyes are like little Billy, little bit. If you remember the Super Bowl years ago, this, how black those things were. And the eyes are just about that big. And it's just sitting there just staring at me. And it doesn't take its eyes off of me. And it's sitting there and pretty soon it just kind of starts to rock from back and forth. And then I realize I'm in trouble because this is not something I've ever seen. Now, where I'm from, there's a, a creature down here. I'm from Arkansas. And uh, Texas County, Arkansas, there's a creature that's called the Falk Monster. And back in 1971, and, and it made national headlines as far as for uh, it had been around actually since 1908. Uh, but it had also uh, had a couple of stints there when it would appear from the woods. It would make itself available to be seen by other people, and then it would just disappear again. And everybody would think, oh, well, the thing has died or it's gone on. Years would come by later, we get the same thing again. So I'm down here, and uh, the next thought that I have is I had never seen the Falcon Monster, but I knew right then that that's what this thing was. I'd never seen Bigfoot, did not believe in Bigfoot. I was a Christian young man. I didn't believe in monsters. I just didn't believe those that kind of thing was possible. Well, it sits there, and like I said, it's teetering from one side to the other, and I realize just how scared I am because, again, uh, I can I can feel my my eyes are, are welled up with tears. I can feel my face. My, I know my heart rate is up here in my chest, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh. So the first thing when I finally realize that that's what that thing is, is uh, the first thing I say is, Lord, just, uh, you know, if this is how I'm going to die, let him find my body, and please take care of my mom. And this thing is sitting there, like I said, he's posturing to me. He doesn't growl. He doesn't do anything else. But he's got that look. He never takes his eyes off of me. And he's posturing to me like, this is my territory. Don't come down here. And, man, as much as I wanted to get to those other pits before I got there right now, that's the last thing from my mind right there. So I just like, I just wanted to get away. But I, could, I wanted to run, but I couldn't run. So finally, this thing, he walks back to the same place where he was when I first saw him. He takes the same left hand, the same limb, and he grabs it. He puts it here on his mouth right here and takes the leaves off of it. He sits there and chews for a minute, then he walks back out into the middle of the road. And whenever he does, I'm like, well, this is it right here. This is this is how I'm going to die. This is where I'm going to die. And man, I, I, I know that at the time, besides the hyperventilating, I know at that time that I was was fixing to go and, and whatever I did was not going to be enough. I started going through my mind. I used to run track as well. Uh, I thought, well, heck, if I can, you know, maybe start running my mile like I used to, that I can get away. And then there were some gravel pits, those gravel pits behind me. I was going to go dive into the pits. I could swim really, really well. was going to dive off this ledge into the pits and go underneath. I could probably swim a good 50 or 60 yards uh, before, you know, before I had to take a good breath. But I would stay underwater, swim quite a while, and I was going to try to go underwater, try to get away from the thing and pop up, get up on the bank, and then maybe continue my mile that way. Well, anyway, as I'm sitting there contemplating all this, uh, he decides to look like he's going to take a step towards me. He makes that one step, and he wheels on his left foot. And whenever he does, he takes two steps, and he's into the, the woods here on where this uh, where this road is. It used to be an old grab road where they pulled the gravel out of there. Well, then on the third step, he's inside the woods, and I can't hear him moving anymore. And again, I'm thinking to myself, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I have bought myself that Bowie knife. I, when he was standing out there in front of me, I had pulled that Bowie knife out. And I thought, well, man, I'm just going to stab him if he comes through there. You think some stupid things when you're a kid. You know, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. And then to even yeah. think the week before that that was going to do any good. But, you know, that was really my only deal. I, was, I couldn't buy a gun. And uh, my dad had passed away. And so all my guns had been you know, given to the, the other family members there. And so any, any access I had to any kind of firearm at all was, was not there. So I had pulled out my Bowie knife. Well, when this thing goes into the woods and finally my senses start coming to me, like, if you're going to do something, you need to go. So I start running towards the gravel pit. Well, when I do, I see that the thing is not stepped out 
I'm looking back over my shoulder. And so I, instead of going into the gravel pit, I kept on running. I still have my gun, my knife in my hand. Still have my tackle box and my rod and reel. And I run down there, like I said, just like I'm running a mile, man. I sprint that first 440 yards. Then I kind of go into, it's not cruise mode for sure, but it's just where you just, you're just making tracks. I come to this same four mile creek. Like I said, I jumped over four mile creek instead of wading through it like the way I had done before. Went right up the bank crossed an open field there that used to be used to be a city dump and i th uh i think that had a lot to do with this creature being down there and actually creature because there's been other sightings down there the, the some of the food stuffs that were still available well i crossed this open field there and i'm like he's gonna get me here because there was nowhere i could hide it was the grass was maybe at that time maybe ankle high something other like that so once i get across that field then i've got another canopy of about 100 to 110 yards before i get down to my vehicle so man like i said by that time it, like i said if you know anything about running a mile by then i'm i'm gassing it i'm giving it my, my kick so to speak and i'm going as fast as I can and whenever I get up in there then I'm uh, underneath the canopy I'm steadily looking back on my shoulder running back like that he's not coming I get down to the gate and the gate is made of, of pipe metal and it kind of has like a little uh, two little Y's there in the middle and then the top um, has got a crossbar I throw my tackle across the crossbar and I'd actually dive through the gate I don't hit my head thank goodness man I roll up right quick I'll get my keys I get my I'm stuck into the uh, the door there where my key deal is and then I start my ignition I take inventory of myself just like right now, man. My, even right now, just telling you about it, my heart rate goes up because I can still see everything just as it happens. So I get my vehicle started and I look out there and there's my tackle box and my rod and reel and my knife. So I pull out there. I think, what am I going to do? I pull up about five feet, which is about as far as I had to do, grab it, throw it in my pasture side, and then I'm back out of there. And it's like something you see off of 18. And then I take off towards Texarkana. And uh, I think to myself, if you see this thing crossing the road, you're going to have a wreck because I wasn't ready for it. But one thing I had already done, as I said, I had actually, uh, besides being hyperventilating, besides actually crying my eyes out uncontrollably, I had actually wet my pants and didn't know it until I got up there. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Well, come to find out, and I'm going to give myself uh, the benefit of a doubt here, they can actually do something called vibing you. They can actually make you lose control of your bodily functions. And I'm going to say that that's probably what happened to me because I never even – remember doing that but anyway whenever i get home well i make about a 12 mile jaunt i walk inside right quick and i just flop down in one of my we had a little spinning recliner right there and i walk in my mom goes well i said how was your fishing i said well i said mom i said i saw the fat monster and she kind of just grinned for a little bit and then she said you saw the fat monster i said mom i saw the fat monster well, my mom my mom and i were pretty tight you know i mean she she knew when i was lying she could tell me when i was a kid when i was lying we had a peach tree that was my Discipline. I'd have to go cut my own switch if I was lying. And she would stretch me up, hit them legs, and when they stretched down, she said, "Wasn't no lying to my mama." My mama knew when I was telling the truth, and she goes, "She goes, son." She said, "That is, she goes, that is so hard to believe." I said, "But mama, it's true." And she goes, "Well, son, I believe you." She said, but I just don't believe I'd tell a whole lot of people. And man, that was good advice because I did tell some people. But man, I man, I had to relieve that burden. Off, oh yeah, off my, yeah. Off my heart, off my mind. Man, the next day I see my best friend. He goes, well, "How's fishing yesterday?" I said, "Well, see, the fishing was basically secondary to what actually happened to me." And he said, "How's that?" I said, "I actually saw the fat monster, man. He took off laughing. I mean, he he hawed and he slapped his knee and all that things like that." And he he said, "You saw the fat monster?" And I said, "I saw the fat monster." 
He goes, oh, man, I know you. He said, I know you saw something. He was actually one of the groomsmen in my wedding. We've been friends for a long time, and he knew my character as well. And he said, I know you saw something. He said, but you didn't see the fountain monster. I said, no, I saw the fountain monster. Well, then I told my coach later on that day, and, and uh, he and I would pump iron together also. I was fixing to go play college football. I was 6'2", maybe about 240. And so uh, when I go in there to two, uh, that afternoon to my coaching class, and he said, he goes, well, man, how was your fishing? I said, well, I said, uh, it wasn't real good. I said, I saw something I'd never seen before. And, of course, you know, he's thinking, well, maybe you saw a deer swimming across the pit. Maybe you saw an alligator because there's alligators down here. And I said, I actually saw what's called the fountain monster. And he died laughing. He goes, I've been working you too hard, hadn't I? You know, and, and uh, really, really great personality guy. And I said, no. I said, I actually saw him. And uh, he saw the same amount of, uh, of emotions in my voice right now. And he said, Will, he said, are you sure? He said, you sure didn't see a bear? I said, Coach, it wasn't no bear. And uh, he said, wasn't somebody down there messing with you? I said, man, they'd have had to, to go a mile and a half to mess with me. And I said, if it was in a suit, I said, there's snakes, there's chiggers, there's ticks. And uh, I said, it was nobody messing with me. I said, it was actually what this was. And I told him about two weeks before something hollering at me, you know, like that right there. Well, anyway, uh, with that right there, uh, when both of them laughed at me, it, it didn't really hurt me because I realized how outlandish it was but i realized there's a whole lot of difference between somebody listening to you and somebody believing you and so i took my mm -hmm. mom's advice and i just quit telling people and uh so uh, at, at that right there uh, uh again I, I i went to the next day i went to the library this was 1977 there wasn't a whole lot available back then about all you had back then is 77 you had you had the stuff from jerry crew in 1958 in california with the, the the tracks that were made and stuff like that and then you had the patterson gimlin film back in 1967 and then also before uh before then it was in 1963 i think the show first came. it was dennis the menace and with the, i remember because i you know we had three channels two of them were fuzzy and this was the only one you could get and actually had a show on dennis the menace called uh, the creature with the big feet and so i remembered that and so uh, whenever I started going to the card catalog to read as much as I possibly could, there wasn't a whole lot. There was some, but it just wasn't like it is now. And so uh, I continue to try to study as much as I can. And then uh, I go off to college then and uh, I start work at, at UPS. Uh, whenever I get through doing that right there, uh, I worked there three years. Oh, I didn't work part time work double shifts, but it wasn't it wasn't considered part. It was double shifts at one in the morning, and morning and night. Well, finally, whenever I get a chance to start into being a UPS package car driver. First thing I do is buy me a boat because I was tired of stepping on snakes. I was tired of going home with chigger bites and ticks bites. Uh, every now and then you run into the occasional wasp nest, they come boiling up out of the ground. And man, you know, if you ever seen anybody getting a, a, a fight with a wasp or with a spider web, you know how funny that really is. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to get me a boat. So I got me a boat and uh, called this friend of mine. He couldn't go, so I took my nephew. So uh, this is 1985, and we're down at a place called Mercer Bio. And Mercer is a, it is about a 15-mile bio that runs through. It comes off the Sulphur River, and it runs through what's uh, called the Sulphur River Wildlife Management Area. And, man, it's it's the most amazing thing to look. It looks more like the Everglades. It looks like more like the Everglades copied from it instead of it copied from the Everglades because you have Spanish moss, you have cypress trees, you have alligators, you've got wasp nests that are, no joke, true the size of an LP phonograph record. And I look like armed pain centers with a bunch of little parachutes on it. And uh, so so this and the water is black tannic. Uh, 
the coat owls down there ho holler all day long. I mean, it's just, it's one of the, the wildest areas around there. My dad's, one of his friends was a, uh, used to be a, a, a safari guide in Africa. And once he heard about the fountain monster, uh, his words were, he said, well, if somebody told me that on the banks of Sulphur River, they seen anything from a tiger to Tarzan, he said, I would believe it. He said, that's the wildest place I believe I've ever seen. So I get my nephew and like I said, having a new boat, first time for me and we come back and I didn't know how long it would take to get back, but we got there about 30 minutes after dark. I could still see to get to my vehicle uh, without using a flashlight. So I went over there and I just kept him there holding on to the rope that's holding my boat, back my truck down. I put the boat on the runners right there and I pull up a little bit. We start getting ready to leave. And then before I even get a chance to tie it down over there in the corner of the parking lot of the boat ramp, I get the same scream that I had gotten back in 1977. And man, instantly, just instant flashback, instant terror, instant lockup to where, oh my gosh. And I said, Chris, get in the truck. And of course he knew he knew what had happened to me years before. He said, what is, that? I said, get in the truck. He said, what, I said, get in the truck. So he gets in the truck. And so uh, get around here. Like I said, we don't even tie my boat down for a mile. And we, we drive on down to where there's another highway intersection where I felt safe. I go to get out. And one day he goes, you're not getting out, are you? I said, Chris, I'll be fine. Just stay in the truck. So we do. So that was my second encounter with this creature. Well, after that, again, uh, like I said, I was uh, I had access to uh, to go to the libraries there by still. I used to substitute teach, actually, and by, so I could actually go into libraries without having to you know do anything special. They knew that you know I was a credible person you know, and trustworthy. And so, again, I started going back to my library there. Well, there was a whole lot more to look at right then. There was a whole lot more that I could study that was coming out. And so I thought, if I'm going to have the same kind of, of space, this is what these creatures have where they live, and then that's where I spend my recreation, then I'm going to learn something about it. And so I did. And so I was actually able to, to you know, start hearing about people who had sightings people who reporting these things because i knew that even though people were making fun of them if you would have told me like i said 15 to 30 seconds before i had my first first sighting that these things are real i'd have laughed at you but it's not no more but i'm here to, to tell everybody right now uh, without any kind of trepidation uh with the most honesty i can have in all my heart that bigfoot is real and and there's more than one bigfoot uh, and I'll, I'll tell you a lot. I've learned a lot about Bigfoot since then because I became obsessed. My wife gets so mad. Uh, we were going to do a TV show there. And somebody said, I asked my wife, I said, well, how do you like having a husband who's a Bigfoot hunter? She goes, I hate it. And of course, that was not the response that they were expecting. They said, you hate it. Of course, my son does it with me, too. He's also a dentist. And so my son does it with me, too. And they said, how do you hate that? She goes, because we can go for a 10-minute run to this door, and it's an hour and a half before we gets back, because inevitably he's going to see somebody who knows that he hunts Bigfoot. They're going to ask him, and he's going to tell them everything that's happened to him from the last time they've happened to him. <laughs> so it is. So it is. It became an obsession with me. But uh, but uh, it's one of these things that I have now. Uh, I, I learn more, and I learn more. And, uh, man, I, I have a friend. Uh, one of my research partners, <clears throat> uh, his name is Stephen Hill, and he and I used to play softball together. And uh, we, he went on with his life, and I went on with mine. He got married. I have been married there. And so uh, having children, well, then 30 years later, he contacts me. He had seen me on one of these shows there, and he said, are you the same Will that I used to play softball with? I said, yeah, that's me. And I wasn't expecting, I was expecting just friendly greetings. I wasn't expecting this. And he goes, he goes, tell me something. And one day when we were down there playing softball, we were up there on the Costot River around Wicks, Arkansas. And I had been a UPS man around there. I had heard of a Bigfoot sighting up there. So we were playing a softball tournament. It was about 90 miles from the house. I thought, well, I've got this 90 miles. I'm fixing to go 
check out this Bigfoot site. So sure enough, he and I go up there and we're there at this what's called a low water bridge and we're looking around everything kind of cooling off. And the first thing he asked, the thing he asked me there, whenever we got in touch on the phone, he goes, ask me something. He said, were we Bigfoot hunting that day that we went up there to the Casatot River? And man, I just died laughing. And I said, yeah. And I said, it took you 30 years to figure that out. He goes, it did now. So anyway, he and I have become, uh, he's uh, probably the best research partner uh, somebody could ever have. These people talk about these these best known. Best known doesn't matter. This guy is one of the best, even though he's, he's the best researcher hardly anybody has ever heard of. Man, he's a truthful man. He's never told a lie in his life. A uh, very moral man, a uh, very God-fearing man. He's he's about six, probably about six three and about three forty, and he's not fat. Uh, he owns his own business. He's just a very kind of guy that every person needs to have as as a friend and as a research partner. I can ask Stephen to do anything uh, towards a Bigfoot deal, and he and he will. I could ask him otherwise, you know, just on any other subject there, and he would. So he is really. Uh, well, he's all you could ask for. I've got other two other guys that I have a guy named Shannon Cruz and a guy named Randy Crawford. They go out with me a whole lot, as well as my wife goes out. Boy, she's a crackerjack Bigfoot hunter, and so is my my son. And then I have a I have a friend I met a couple of years ago on the internet named Randy Richmond. Randy's had three big Bigfoot sightings himself here, first one around Falcon, then two in Louisiana. And he and I were just like twin sons from different mothers when we started telling about our sightings here in Bath. They were so much, so much alike that we just became friends. And so uh, again, I can pass things off with him. He's just, he's an old Army Ranger. Uh, uh, boy, he's just uh, just an extreme hunter. He can man, he can track an ant through a cornfield. I mean, that kind of guy. So so again, having those kind of people to help you do things, it, it makes you where you're a better researcher as well. And Steve and I have been able to get man pictures. Uh, we. If I told you how many pictures I had, you swear I was lying. But I sent y'all a bunch of them, and I've got mm-hmm. a bunch of pictures of, of the creatures. I, they're not blob squatches; they're pictures with faces. And yeah, uh, to do that, uh, it's it's something that's that uh, it's not like you see on TV where you go out there and then you go to one place, you talk to some people, then you have a night investigation, then you go on. We developed. I'm not going to say a relationship with these creatures, but these creatures know when we drive up. Uh, when we get there, one of the first things I do. Is I'll make a call in the same way as Stephen. Stephen will make a call if I'm not there. And uh, with my wife, my wife can go out and make a call. And if, if there's a female Bigfoot there with a the baby, it's going to walk to the edge of the woods and poke the baby's head out so my wife can see it. I just don't know what it is. We call it Ellie Mae syndrome. Well, she's got that. And so uh, I'm very happy for that. She gets some good pictures boy, that, that I wouldn't be getting otherwise. But we have the pictures of the creatures. We've got the pictures of the tracks. We have encounters. Oh, gosh, I don't know how many, quote, blob squatches that we have. But uh, anyway, uh, again, uh, I think they recognize us so far. They haven't offered to hurt us or any way or anything else like that. Now, we've had some things where they can actually mess up your cameras. I generally have some, most of the time, I'll have like 12 game cameras sitting out in the woods in, in order to try to catch Bigfoot. And the way to do that is most people just strap them to the tree with the strap and put them out there. Well, man, this this creature is so aware of its environment. Not only is it a thinking creature and a reasoning creature, but it knows its environment so well. If that if that camera is there, it's not going to walk in front of that camera. I mean, we've tracked them where they get up there and they just walk right around the tree. So we began to put our cameras. Uh, we have several clear cuts up there. And if not, we'll make a brush top and we'll pile that brush top up and we'll stick that camera about a foot and a half into the brush top right there and clear it out to where, you know, it doesn't just click if the wind blows or anything else like that. And so we'll have the camera there. Then all of a sudden the Bigfoot walks by. Well, when Bigfoot walks by, he gets his picture put. 
Well, the funny part about that is generally he don't like it. So the next picture you get is you get a hand reaching in to get your camera or you get the eyeball right there looking in to get your camera. And then the next day when you go, your camera's nowhere to be seen. So then they'll toss it you know, as far as they can toss it. And then you have to go on a scavenger hunt. But uh, but again, uh, like uh, Stephen, uh, this last year I had COVID. I wasn't able to actually had a double dose of COVID. I wasn't able to get in the woods as much. And so he went to the woods. We actually put bait out. We use candy bars on these, these creatures. And they'll, they'll, uh, sometimes we've used fish. Hadn't had as much success with that, but we use the candy bars. And so he was out uh, doing the, the baiting up whenever I was sick. And then all of a sudden he got sick. And then he actually went in the hospital. So I did the baiting up. So again, you know, he's the kind of partner that you can really trust uh, to do that. So he's kept us going. So, But we've really, really had a lot of success. And uh, we've got about five different areas. We've got some up in northern Arkansas, up there, some of you close to Mena, and some around the, the foothills of the Washita Mountains. And then we've got some down here around Falk, Texarkana, or, or Sulphur River Bottoms. Is actually, well, Sulphur River Bottoms is the whole catalyst to any Bigfoot sighting around in here. You, it starts uh, up there oh, somewhere above Cooper and not far from Dallas, Cooper, Texas, far Dallas goes down to Commerce, then it comes down through and about every place in Texas around here, you can look and find a Bigfoot site. You'll see the Sulphur River within 10 miles. And so then it comes into, it goes into Arkansas, it makes right Patman Dam, which used to be Lake Texarkana. And then uh, it goes through to a place called Smith Park, and then it goes and it feeds itself a little bit farther down to the Red River. But the whole catalyst around here is Sulphur River. Like I said, Sulphur River Bottoms is one of the wildest places you've ever seen. There's places there truly I don't think man has ever seen. Sunlight's seen it, but that's just about because it's just so doggone thick. And uh, if you can go in there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, walk 10 feet in, you can win at hide and seek because it's, you're just nothing but shadows. And so that that's what – and the, the amount of food that's in there, I mean, every every creature – that there is around here, I think we'll probably live inside those river bottoms. And uh, man, being a UPS man, uh, I wanted, I realized it was a great avenue for me to be able to talk to other people and see if they had encounters like I had. Because man, I mean, I see you become obsessed not only because when you're looking, but you love to hear other people's stories. And uh, you start hearing these things by accident. Well, then that's when I started asking people, and I had developed a few, you know, few quippy sayings. I drive up and say, well. You know, you live so far in the woods, as Bigfoot don't live out here. It's because it's too far for him to walk. <laughs> some people would laugh, you know, some people would smile, but then some of them would say, well, if that's what you think, why don't you come back here about dark and let's see what you say? And of course, then I would say, well, I'm afraid of the dark. And when they say things like, well, you should be, then I knew that I had had uh, had to go back and check that out. And so that was, I was able to get, uh, uh, man, I've interviewed now over 200 people. I've been retired for about the last, oh, rats, the rat last five and a half years. And so I've been able to talk to a lot of people, uh, avenues like y'all's and some of the other shows that I've been on the big, the, these woods are haunted. Uh, again, there's a show called boggy Creek monster. I was actually one of the, the principals in this, this movie called boggy Creek monster. And most people have been really, really gracious to open up to me and tell me the truth. And so I've truly interviewed over 200 people that have had stories about Bigfoot from anywhere from 70 to hundred miles. And the funny thing is, uh, when you people will ask you where you're from, and you say Texarkana, and they'll sit there and they'll think and they say, "How far do you live from Falk?" I was standing in line at Disney World down there in Orlando. Somebody asked me that, and I told them, "I said Falk." I said, "How do you know about Falk?" Oh, because that Falk monster thing, you know. Well, then I was standing in line at Alaska, fixing to go on an Alaskan cruise there with my wife, and uh, so uh, somebody said, "Where do you live at?" And I said, "I live right there on the uh, border of Texas and Arkansas. I live just three miles inside Arkansas, right on the Texas Arkansas border." 
And so uh, I'll say, well, I live in Texarkana. That's Texarkana. Is that anywhere near Fowl? And uh, of course, you know, you just can't help but laugh. I mean, Fowl's got 98 people, basically. Right. And I really don't know what the population is, and I don't say that making fun, but it's, it's a very small town, mostly rural, good people, man. I got to deliver down there while I was working at UPS. Man, they handled that with such class. And they, the fact that you asked me, it took a while before someone would open up to me, you know, and, and I'd ask them, and they just kind of clam up. Well, then finally I started getting folks getting on a, a well, paper trail, so to speak. And so uh, to get to hear some of those stories, and it was just amazing some of the things they've had because they consider it a part of everyday life. They don't consider seeing this creature to be something that's, uh, you know, something's out of the ordinary or anything else like that. And that still scares them just the same. Man, I, I've been doing this for 45 years and it still scares me. I'm still scared when I go into the woods, but I have a healthy respect for these creatures. And I carry a pistol with me. And, and generally a rifle, not for them, but for, because the other creatures we have, the hogs, the bears, the panthers, mm -hmm. the bobcats, and, th and then some of the two-legged creatures that we have out there with some of them with meth labs and everything else, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I carry a weapon just to, to be safe, but other than that. But, man, it's a, it, it's it's a, one of these things that uh, I now, before this heat hit down here, man, it's, it's so hot down here if you watch – Reruns of the Adams Family cousin. It has a crew cut. That's just how hot it is. I mean, <laughs> it's it's hot, and uh, so I haven't done anything much. I went out about I went out Memorial Day, and I uh, had a friend of mine and his grandson. And so we went to this one area that we researched. And two thirty in the afternoon, and we're we're creeping along this road. My tires are just barely moving like that, and we're talking. And a rock hits my truck, and my buddy looks at me. He goes. You're not going fast enough for that rock to that velocity. So, oh, I know. We bounce out, we look, and we have to squat down, and there's a, a side canopy where you can see something running away in that side canopy. Well, his grandson at 13, boy, he's going to be a great researcher. He's got what the Bigfoot uh, world needs. He jumps out, he takes a picture, and he's actually able to get a, a picture of a shadow running away from us. Now, being a 13 year old, you know what happened to his cell phone? No, neither does he right now. But <laughs> he, sent it, he sent it to my wife, who I've been married to for 41 years, and she lost her picture. That he sent to her but uh anyway so this was like said on memorial day and uh, that we went up there and so uh, uh he has a friend who one of the places that we research uh <clears throat> i was so grateful for him uh, he met us up there one day and this man actually had a, a bigfoot this year come up around his deer stand and so whenever he took my buddy up there where he deer hunts he didn't tell him what it was so he put him in his stand he went somewhere else whenever he comes back he's standing out there on the road he goes well how was you hunt he goes Man, there's something going on over here. He said, what do you mean? He said, man, there were trees breaking. He said, limbs being cracked and everything else. So he said, I heard some grunting. And the uh, guy said, I'm glad. He goes, what do you mean you're glad? He said, because that's one reason I put you over. I want to know if the same thing happened to you. So uh, anyway, he said, what do you think it is? He said, I think it's Bigfoot. And, of course, we've seen Bigfoot up there before, me and Stephen. Every research golly, oh, up to 100-something miles away here. And I've actually done some in Oklahoma further than that. My son went to dental school at Tennessee. I actually walked down the edge of the Mississippi River uh, looking to get some of the woods through in there and actually found some astounding evidence right close to Mud Island. You know, I mean, just right there basically in town. And and so uh, it's, it's one of these things that, that you if people think, well, they're just out in the woods, they're not. It's amazing how close they will actually come towards civilization. And yeah, uh, we've been hearing that a lot lately. Yeah, it's really crazy. Where my dad is, is buried over here in Texarkana, he died in in uh in let's say 1980 no 1972 1972 and uh, the man who was the caretaker over his cemetery does the perpetual care well my dad knew him of course his folk family was all buried there then after he was buried there i was out there one day and 
just speaking in, in small talk. And I said, well, what's been going on over here? He goes, man, saw something strange walking around that back fence one day. And well, coincidentally, this, there's a creek runs aside that runs right off there into to, uh, Days Creek, which eventually runs into Bakke Creek. And so, uh, again, this is right there in town. And uh, the, the legend of Boggy Creek, uh, the, the creature was in town, Falk, Arkansas. He was actually in town, Texarkana. Back then, the Texarkana was like 52,000 people over there around a warehouse over there off a major highway. So so these things, there is no uh, people think, well, you know, there's no way they they uh, they'll, they'll come towards town. They do what they do. Uh, and and that's that's the truth. They just they do what they do. They're boy, they have a set of, of skills that the good Lord has given them that they're as good or better in their element as what we are in our element. Um, and the ability uh, to sit there and just, we've seen several that's standing by a tree and they won't even move and they're just standing by the tree and you're you're having like a, having a staring contest with the Mona Lisa. You know, you're just sitting there and it's just <laughs> looking at you and you're looking at it, but they won't hardly move. They, they have that skill set. Again, the ability to hide they have like that. Uh, also, the again, we talked earlier about the ability to to have what we call zapping or infrasound. If you read on that, you can see what a truly amazing gift that is to have infrasound. Infrasound. Elephants can use it. Um, uh, giraffes can use it. Alligators can use it. Uh, the military has actually done tests with it where it will actually detect uh, weapons and things like that. And again, it can actually make you put you in a catatonic state. You hear a lot of people say, well, man, that thing was just standing right there in front of me. And then all of a sudden it was gone. Well, no, what it did, man, it probably and, and I'm just betting you on this. Now, like I said, it didn't every time I've been zapped, it's like I've had a bumblebee flying up and down my my uh, backbone there, you know, and uh, it's, it's never affected me. But my partner, it put my partner in the hospital for four days and also within with a shot mm -hmm. of epinephrine laying across his chest because he nearly died from getting this infrasound. And, and so uh, anyway, it kept him in the hospital for quite a while. But but when these things do that and they hit you with this zapping, you become catatonic. Well, when you wake back up, this thing is just, he didn't just disappear. He just walked away. And, you know, using that as a, as a, a weapon, you've got other uh, animals there that can use the uh, echolocation or ultrasound. So, so again, they have those, those uh, uh, including amazing strength. Uh, they can use the smell. If y'all have ever heard of this, if y'all have ever seen Bigfoot or heard of the smell, the smell is enough. The smell that oh, yeah. I talked about earlier on this deal, mm -hmm. man, it, it's enough to knock you down and you can't fake it. You know, there's a lot of things that stink, but that's one thing I told my wife. It took 30 years for me to make a believer out of her. But she said, one thing you've always told me is that you can fake everything but the smell. Well, one night we were down there on Sulphur River, and I was there with my buddy Randy and with his daughter and his wife and with my wife. And we just got through eating, and we'd had a siding three days before down there. And so I went to, and his wife goes, well, I just don't believe in Bigfoot. Well, man, let me tell you what. I couldn't deal with that. I'm like, oh, well, you will before we go home. But had I was just hoping, but we went down to the river. And so his daughter was very athletic. And so she picked up a rock. She goes, can I throw a rock? And I said, oh, please do. So she throws this rock. <laughs> and it's about 30 seconds later, and you hear right in the middle of the river like that. She goes, what was that? I said, go ahead and throw you another one. So she picks up another rock and she throws it into the river. Sure enough, 30 seconds later, here we go again. Rock coming through the canopy of trees, splashes right into the water. She goes, what is that? I said, you know what that is? She goes, no, uh, you know, 16 years old, she knew everything, you know, like, like most 16 year olds do. Well, anyway, oh, yeah. she mm -hmm. does it one more time. Same thing happens, but then we hear, and whatever 
it, it, it wasn't anything he threw. I think it was actually him jumping in or throwing something at the same time to actually to uh, camouflage his movement because he, we hear slosh, slosh, slosh coming across the river there. And there's some places there on the Sulphur River when it's down there, about a foot high, you know, or about a foot deep. I mean, and you can actually cross. And he was crossing that ford and he went up there and he hid in, in a little ravine right there. And there, and, uh, whenever he got in there and he started stinking us out. And man, I mean, it was bad. And I knew what it was. And I, and, I, and my, my goes, what is that? And I said, do you know what it is? Well, anyways, my wife is very smart. Her classic line is, I'm going to the truck. So she starts heading to the truck. Well, then as she gets up there, then my buddy Randy's wife, she starts heading up to the vehicle as well. And so whenever she does, she goes, oh, I'm smelling that dead fish smell. Well, she starts dry heaving. Again, I think this is infrasound. Um, and so whenever she gets sick, I'm the only one that has a pistol. I start walking up towards her. I'm not afraid because I know what's there and I know what's going on. But all of a sudden, my eyes, man, all it's like I'm peeling a bag of onions. My eyes just start water just coming out. So uh, I said, come on, we need to get her to the truck. So we do. I go back and get Randy and his daughter. And we sit there for the next 10 minutes. And, man, the smell, again, just worse and worse and worse. And so uh, we didn't figure anything else was going to happen. So we left. Well, we get maybe a mile down the road back there. My wife goes, turn around and i thought oh that's that's somebody else's wife that's not mine she's not gonna say turn around but she did and i said you left your cell phone didn't you? she goes no she said i've got to know if that smell is still there so we go back and man it was just like you were in an air freshener commercial you couldn't smell where the thing was or anything else but when she and i went back the next day we found the ravine that he was down in he'd actually broken some limbs and kind of uh, done some tree structuring right there and so we found where he actually was if you shot the, the beam on the spotlight straight then you couldn't see it but once you got there in the daytime you could look down there uh one of the best i'm not gonna say weapons that you have but one of the best defenses that you have when you see bigfoot is to have a bright spotlight they do not like light and uh, man if you've got a gun oh man it's like watching a pie cartoon he reaches there and grab it bend the barrel towards you and just walk away but when you have light they don't like that and so you put that light on them. Uh, I've got a picture of one. I think I, I sent that to y'all where he's laying in front of my camera. And you can see the dark band right here. They have a band there to kind of help them see as far as the light and stuff like that. And you can blow this up and you can see the eyes, but he's stuck down like this right here where this, the light from my camera at night is hitting him in the eyes. And so uh, they really do not like the light. And like I said, uh, the, the night that I had the from the These Woods Are Haunted show, put the light on that joker, man, he's coming in, he is mad. Now what that These Woods Are Haunted show didn't tell you was my wife was with me that night also. But I didn't get to take her because uh, they were having some violence there. At, we had to go to Austin, Texas, and they were having some violence, and I didn't want to take my wife and expose her or risk her health to go in. You know, if, if I when something happens to me, it's one thing. With her involved, it's another story. And so I told her, I said, I'm just going to go by myself, and I did. And so so they didn't use because they couldn't get uh, – they set me on a stool, basically, for about seven hours asking questions. Now, that's uh, people can laugh all they want to, but they actually want to make sure that I was telling the truth. And, man, they went through every question. You could ask me seven or eight different ways to see if, if they were going to trip me up, and there wasn't they, any way that they could trip me up. And so uh, I thought, oh, crap, well, I wonder, it's, I wonder how stupid this is going to make me look. But they I, they actually, except for using a guy who wasn't incredibly handsome, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was a he, he did a really good job and the and the, the young kid too there they really did a good job as far as portraying me but if i would have my wife there 
it was funny because uh, as we're down there and this creature's coming through the woods there, and like I said, I've got the spotlight and I've got my pistol and he's charging through the woods and he's, I, she is the catalyst. She is the reason he is coming in. It's not because of me and it's not because necessarily I called and didn't know what I was saying, but he had done picked up her scent and was coming in. And so she gets into the vehicle. So whenever she does, she tells my son, she goes, Reese, give me a gun. Well, Reese generally has four or five guns with him and he'll have a sword and he'll have several knives. Man, I mean, he is prepared, buddy. I promise you. And uh, so she, he hands her a real bright flashlight. He's, he's really, you know, really tactician oriented on stuff. So he's got some flashlights, you know, you see you pay 40 bucks for, you know, that'll, you know, they'll make an airplane fall out of the sky, you know, if you, mm -hmm. so anyway, he hands her the flashlight and she goes, now what am I supposed to do with this? And he told her, he said, they're more afraid of light than they are a gun. She goes, well, that's fine. You keep it then because you give me a gun. So he does. And so when she's in there, when this thing turns and runs, it gets in that tree, everything just gets tuned quiet. I mean, like I said, there's not a bug, not a frog. There's not an owl. The wind was even afraid to blow. It was so, it was just so quiet. And it really made me uneasy because, number one, I'd never experienced that. Usually, if it's like the, quote, the calm before the storm, then this is when I'm facing get attacked. But also because I've got my son with me and I've got my wife with me. And I'm, I'm, I'm more nervous for that for anything. Well, she's in the vehicle. So it's just deathly quiet. You hear him. Well, finally, he jumps down and he takes off then back to the woods after I had done stopping with the spotlight. He went down on all fours, ran away, got him into the tree. Well, then he ran away. Well, whenever he did, uh, what they didn't include in there was the fact there was another one with him running down the side. You could hear, whoa, 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 when this one was running down beside that. I didn't even know he was there. Did not even know. But at that remark right there, my wife goes, well, she said, if you guys hear this truck start up, you better jump into the back because I'm gone. Now I have one son, very proud of him. He's a dentist. I mean, who would ever thought a doctor would have come from my loins, man? I'm a UPS man, a big <laughs> believer. That's just two strikes against you right there before you ever get started. But, but no, it's not. But uh, anyway, so uh, as we're sitting there and I said, Cindy, I said, you mean you would actually drive off and leave your husband and your only son down here in these woods with a rogue Bigfoot? And she goes, I will have more kids. If you hear this truck start, you better jump in the back because I'm gone. So I never understand it. If, if that Bigfoot thought he was bluff charging, she wasn't bluffing. She meant what she said. And so we finally get in then and we're driving out. And then my wife's sister-in-law calls. And uh, by the time that she calls, she says, what are y'all doing, Cindy? And Cindy goes, well, she said, we're down here in the Bigfoot woods. Anything happen? Oh, yeah. You know, and so she tells her what happens and she goes, you're going to die. Well, man, that's all I needed. So right there in the next boy, my wife bristled up at me. And then when she hangs up, she goes, just what were you going to do if this thing came running in there? I said, just like I told you. I said, just like I did. I said, I was fixing to shoot him. And uh, I thought I filled him so full of holes. You could stood him on one of them phonograph turntables and put a water hose in your mouth and use him to sprinkle the lawn. Because I said, I, I had 30 shots there. I was fixing to let him have as many as I could in whatever period that was. So we left. But anyway, after that right there, she knew that uh that big there were bigfoot was real i'd actually heard him stop as he was charging in on us right before he charged in and i told her i said he's standing right over there and i knew exactly where he was well the next day ups has what's called time off available you can take the day off but you take it without pay so anyway i went ahead and took that day off and she goes you going back to the woods i said yep she goes good she goes can i go i said nope and she goes <laughs> you don't tell my wife no on anything now she's a very independent lady very smart she's an rn uh She's been a pharmaceutical rep. She actually designed a cancer, uh, a cancer uh, 
studio here on a napkin one night and it's actually one of the biggest cancer studios here so she's very very good very very smart as far as uh, the medical profession and stuff like that but but uh, she, she's like she, she's all, you, she's very uh, a smart lady very independent lady and i said you're not going i said because you were the catalyst last night and i said if i go and he's still there then I'm liable to get hurt and you're liable to get hurt because it's liable not end as good as it did last night. So anyway, she stayed home and I went back down there and sure enough, whenever I did, he was down there on the edge of the woods right there where he's, where his quote lair, that's what I call it, his lair is. And I could see him down there moving around. And so I lined up a bunch of trees there between he and I. And man, I was like, I was like a daggum ninja, man. I mean, I was creeping around. I was squatting down, look around. I've got my cell phone, but I've also got my pistol there as well. So I go down there as, as I go down there, I get to the last tree where he is. It's maybe rats. It's maybe 30 yards away, something like that. And I peek around and he's gone and I never heard him move, never heard him go. And I'm like, Oh, rats. Now he's fixing to go hunting. So anyway, I called my wife right quick. I said, Hey, he's down here. I said, just had him spotted. I said, now he's gone. I'm head back to the truck. And she said, well, did you find the footprint? And I said, no, I haven't been there yet. But on the way back, I stopped where I told her that he was standing. And sure enough, and there's a footprint there. And I've got a 44 Magnum sit there beside it. You can see the toes. You see how wide it is. You see how big. And then there was two other places, uh, two other footprints there. One other place he stopped. He's probably three foot wide as far as the way the, 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 the feet are, are uh, positioned. But they're about 16 and a half inches apiece. I weighed at the time 280 pounds, and I don't even make maybe an in, barely an indention in the leaves. And this thing goes in two and a half inches, so that tells you kind of just how big he was. But anyway, I got out of there and uh, called my buddy, went back that afternoon with him because he, man, I know that area like the back of my hand. Well, guess what happened to us that night? We got lost because he knew the area like the back of his hand, but three or four bushes had grown up and just enough to set us off on the wrong trail. So it nine o'clock with no lights on we're walking through those woods with hogs snakes everything that you can imagine trying to find our way out mm -hmm. finally we do we come out a mile and a half from the truck and we had to walk back down that mile and a half back to where the vehicle was and so thank goodness we did and uh, of course the joke it was a big joke after that but again this is one of my research partners this same place we went back later on we had one scream at us there um um, and when we did, uh, he came back about two days later after that. And whenever he parked his vehicle to walk down there, there's a mud puddle in the middle of this road. Well, there was nothing at the mud puddle when he walked through. And there's barely space to go through and not get brushed off from the woods into the puddle. As he comes back, there is a cottonmouth that's been pulled into, not, not cut into. It's been pulled into, just ripped apart. And it's been laid right there along the berm of where this puddle is. And, uh, Truly, I think because we have been gifting this animal some uh, some food and things like that, I think it probably gifted it to Randy. Randy picks it up and calls me because, man, you're never going to believe this. Well, man, they do. That's something else that they do. You can actually, if you can get enough of trust of these creatures, uh, they'll actually gift you other things. We have been leaving them uh, Slim Jims, and we have been leaving them some pork chops and been leaving them some pears, and we decide to leave it. We uh, Reese is really, really strong my son and so he actually broke the knocking bat that we had had a louisville slugger he said well dad why don't we just leave this here i said okay let's do that so we leave it there behind this one tree so nobody else can see it we have the barrel down on the ground we have the handle up at the top and then we put out the pears and then he puts out the pork chop and a little hole in the tree and then puts out a couple of slim jims well then i come back the next day and everything is gone except for one pair it had a bite taken out of it and then it was thrown on the ground and so, uh, of course, I had cell phones in. I called him and told him, I said, everything's gone. I can't find the bat. I said, we're going to come back this afternoon. So we come back, and sure enough, finally we find the bat. And the bat is turned with 
the handle on the ground with the barrel up in the air and there's about 10 bites teeth marks that are taken out of this out of this bat and they say that the lack lacquer that they put on these bats actually takes smells like or tastes like ants so this thing has actually chewed the bat he's actually gotten the rest um, of the pears and the slim gins but he's also left us a piece of bone that's probably about this long and this bone had been sharpened and he stuck it down in that same hole where we left the pork chop. It wasn't the pork chop bone. It was a, and you can take this piece of doggone bone and you can run against your face and just about shave yourself with it. And man, I mean, it was incredible. And so we got that, that uh, the piece of bone and then we got the bat back from that encounter right there. We've had a few more encounters right there. We went down there. Uh, some people came in with a, a bunch of horses. Man, I thought, crap, they're going to ruin all our Bigfoot hunting tonight. Man, my son, boy, he was really mad. And so uh, me and Randy walked down earlier that week. We'd had a Bigfoot holler at us crossing not right there close to that mud puddle. And so when we had this Bigfoot holler at us, he and I go back down there. So, uh, again, we're trying not to get too wound up. I'm a little bit more level-headed. Me and Randy are a little bit more level-headed. But like I said, my son was like, man, I've been waiting all week, and here we go. So you can the guy brings us a trailer down there, a horse trailer with three horses in it. And so Reese stays back in the truck. And while he's in there, and they're saddling up their horses. Well, finally, here comes one of them. And whenever he gets to where we were, when his Bigfoot screamed at us along this trail, man, this horse just stops. And it bows its head down. It starts shuffling just and starts backing up, man, and just clomping on the ground. And you can tell it's not going to go any further. And the guy goes, man, I don't know what's wrong with this horse. He said, I said, well, and I told him a story. I'll be honest with you. I told him a story. I said, well, a couple of nights ago, I said, we had a bear holler at us from right here. I didn't want to tell him it was a Bigfoot because it was full moon, nighttime. They had, they were armed and I didn't, you know, I mean, if you get a Bigfoot wounded and you're the next one down there and you didn't kill it, <laughs> your day may not go so good either. So like I said, I told him a story. I'm going to be honest with that. He goes, man, that's, he goes, that's okay because this is my daughter's horse. This, this horse has seen bears. He said, we take it to Colorado every year when we go on an elk hunt. And I said, well, I said, you know, I said, you know how animals are. Well, about that time, his other buddy gets his horse loaded. He walks, he walks his horse down there. And whenever he does, this horse does the same thing. And of course, he's fussing and cussing at the horse and everything. And I told him, I said, well, I said, we, we had a bear here haul at us the other night. And uh, he goes, man, he said, this horse is seeing bears. He said, this, this horse goes every year to Colorado. And I mean, that horse was rearing up and he had the, the bit pulled back in the back of his teeth, man, looked like he was doing oral surgery. And that horse was not going to go. I mean, he was, you know, stomping, like I said, and shuffling and rearing up. Well, finally, the horses went on. And then uh, his third buddy got his horse loaded. He came up. But I went back to where Reese was sitting at the truck. And I said, well, since they've been down there, how's it going? He goes, it's incredible. And the night that we thought was going to be just really crummy, he said, they are throwing rocks at that trailer like you would not believe. And so we went over there and looked at the trailer bed, you know, which is normally wood on the and uh it's covered in rocks there's probably 13 or 14 rocks in there and then while we were there sure enough, here comes one out of the woods lands right there about at my feet goes across there i get it in the spotlight look at it and start laughing and so uh, so this is an area right here that's really really hot uh we, we've had several more encounters down there since then but uh but that just went instead of thinking well man you ought to be ready now you know you've you've had enough encounters that ought to do it but that was just one of many and i, I continue to do it and it just whets the appetite to have more happen to you oh yeah William, the awesome thing about this, us talking tonight is, I don't think Brian and I ever thought that we'd be interviewing someone who saw the Falk monster. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, you're talking to somebody who never thought he would see the Falk monster. <laughs> so we're all on the same boat there one way or another. Well, then, yeah, when, we got something in common. Before you, this happened, did you ever see The Legend of Boggy Creek? I had seen the movie. We actually uh, drove down. My, that's when my dad was still alive. It was one year before he passed away in 72 there. And so we all got in the vehicle one Sunday afternoon, and we drove down to Falk. 
just to see what all the hoopla was about. And man, there's a line of cars down Highway 71, just basically north and south. And there's a line of cars about a mile long just going down there to to try to look and see. And you look, and there's people that are camped out in people's fields. There's people there where uh, they have been parked in people's yards. There were people there with guns walking down the side of the road, and it was just such a just such a a, a thing that uh, it had caught fire with them too. And uh, so uh, so. But we didn't see anything that day, and uh, so uh, with that right there, uh, we the movie came out. Then the next year, and we saw the movie and uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek. And man, we sat through probably four and a half hours outside, lined up around this what was called the Paramount Theater back then. It was actually called the Perot now. By Ross Perot, he donated the money to have it refixed up and everything. But we were around the corner there and around the corner, around the corner. I said, I think we probably stepped through at least two showings of that movie there to, before we finally got in. And it was packed. And, uh, and, and man, Texarkana was, was crazy mad for it. But then, like I said, I think it was 72 or 73 when that came out. I've forgotten those years. I just haven't studied it as, as much like I used to. But it was 72 or 73 when that came out. And it was actually put on by a man named Charles B. Pierce. Charles B. Pierce was not a movie maker. Charles B. Pierce was a local weatherman for one of the uh, TV stations around here. He was actually a very good artist, and he was actually the host of a children's TV show there. And uh, every afternoon called the Laugh-A-Lot Club, of all things, you know. And so I'd actually been on that show, you know, from the boys, the boys Club of Texture Canada. He would have the kids, you know, the Boy Scouts or certain. So we, so, uh, but he had shot that show and he had borrowed the money to shoot it. Shot it, I think, with, with, with handheld deal there and used a lot of the real people from Falk, Arkansas. And I knew several of them at a time when I was delivering down there who'd actually been into the show. The cool part about that is I went to school with a boy and, uh, he was, was one of my good friends. As fine a man as you ever want to meet. He didn't talk to him yesterday before I had this real, real lucky. And I wanted to be sure I brought this back up with him again, refresh my memory. But uh, I was talking to him at, at Sam's here in Texarkana a whole couple months ago. And, of course, we introduced our wives and everything else like that. And, and uh, he said, you still doing Bigfoot? And I said, well, man, I said, I, I didn't think I told you about that. He goes, no, man, I keep up with you. And I said, I said, yeah, I'm still doing it. I said, you know, I can't quit it, you know. And uh, so he goes, man, he said, he said, uh, he said, my, my grandparents were from, from Falk. And I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah. Well, I don't know if y'all know the story of anything about the legend of Boggy Creek, but there was a bean field there where this first track was seen and casted. It was called Willie Smith's bean field. And so you've got the news picture of the newsman there, George Dobson, who worked with uh, NBC KTAL. And then you had uh, another uh, person there made from the photographer and then the man who on the field. Like I said, his name was Willie Smith. And so uh, I said, this man here that I went to school with, and uh, he goes, yeah, my family's from down there. I said, well, well, who is your family? He goes, the Smiths. And I said, well, what Smiths? And he goes, think. And I thought, Willie Smith. His name is Bill Smith. Well, man, what is Bill a shortened form of William or Willie? Willie Smith was his grandpa. And so this actually happened on his grandpa's land. And so I was actually able to talk to his wife. I mean, his wife. And his sister, uh, I think both of his sisters had seen it, and his mother had seen it. Now, one of the sisters that he had that had passed away. But anyway, so so the cool part about it, all this happened, and I never put this together. I had this treasure trove of information here and never knew about it. But he told me about <laughs> it, so I got to talk to them yesterday. And each of them tell me the same story. I actually got to go. Uh, I lucked out one of them things where fate happened, where my uh, guy who does my pest control was actually the ramrod of this this farm. And uh, he was doing this in the afternoon. 
And so he saw some of my Bigfoot stuff. And he goes, man, he said, you ever been down to Willie Smith's? And I said, no, never have. He goes, man, I'm the ramrod. Would you like to go? I'm like, shoot, man. That's like, God, I want a billion dollars. You know, I don't need to answer that. Just let's get with it. So we get to go that afternoon. I get to take Reese as well. And we get on a side-by-side -side and we get to ride in that side-by-side -side all over Willie Smith's property there, which is right. Boggy Creek runs right down the side. And we got to one spot back here in the back. And just like I'm telling you, and, and at the very first it is now, you talk about your hair standing up on the back of your neck. And they, it was just so eerie. And so uh, when I was talking to them yesterday and that lady asked one lady, they said, you get to go back back here where it's just so creepy. And I thought, what a coincidence because i didn't even mention that to her and she had the same feelings as what i had so uh, so the legend of boggy creek again uh i've had i've probably seen that creature plus probably on six different occasions several times there's been more than one uh last year when it was in may i think the 25th and then my buddy randy the next weekend was down on mercer down there and he was at the other end of the bio and there was one that he saw moving and so he his uh, boat was inside the bushes. He had his little nephew with him. And Randy said, this thing is actually trying to communicate with him. And he's got some of the recording on there. And you can hear the thing. It sounds almost like what Chewbacca would sound like. But he said at the end, it was almost is the point that it was frustrating. And it was frustrated that it could not communicate with him. But he actually sent me that video. But uh, a little audio part, I mean, that he has his video there. He's shooting on the bow, but, but you can't see the creature, but you can actually hear it. So, uh, hmm. but the creature is, is alive and well, man. I mean, I, I have now somehow become known as the Falk Monster Hunter, which is fine, too, because uh, I've spent hey, most of my right. life. Yeah. You know, I spent most of my life doing that. And the creature is real and the creature is still alive. And uh, and that's it was seen. Uh, we went. Uh, I told you when we went the other day there on uh, Memorial Day, then we went two weeks after that down to Falk down there, and we went all the way down to Jonesville. It was Jonesville from where we had this uh, sighting there, and the, the episode from These Woods Are Haunted is about three miles from where that happened. And Jonesville was actually the original place where the monster was seen. It was called the Jonesville Monster at first. And so we're down there, and we get all the way down there, man. It's like 11.30, 11.45. Daggum, mosquitoes are biting, but we wait till everything sets, you know, sets down and everything, and it's just so cool. I do a couple of calls, and I do like a wood knock like that right there. But I, I generally have a little plastic megaphone like this, and man, it really it really magnifies the sound, and it, it takes away the the, uh, the fake sound. So, I mean, you can really – so anyway, finally, we you get one to answer like that, and then we get a tree knock, and all of a sudden, being – Saturday night in foul. And you hear the, the, the truck coming, the big tires, and you nearly runs, you know, I'm standing out in the middle of the county road right there doing the call and nearly runs me over. And then, of course, we get nothing after that. But this was, uh, like I said, about three weeks ago. Have another lady there. They are coming onto her property. And uh, I've been down to her house several times this year. She's actually got several recordings that are actually chasing her horse into the pen, messing with her dogs. And her husband became sick. And so he was in a hospital in Shreveport, and he was gone about a week there. Well, anyway, uh, whenever she, she would come back then and uh, then go back the next day, these things actually started coming up and marking their territory on her house and actually throwing sticks and rocks and hitting the soffit of her house. And she was scared to death. And uh, so she's been very gracious to let me come down to her place. We have walked down. There's a gas line right beside her house. The ghost of a place where I've actually hunted before I ever knew this lady and had several encounters. Uh, not visual encounters, but actual several vocal encounters down there. And sure enough, it's the, the very same place. Too coincidental to be coincidence. 
And so she's uh, gotten a trailer and she's gotten it fixed up. And she said, you and Stephen are welcome to come down here. So once we get an opportunity, she's going to let us stay in the trailer out in front of the house and see what goes on. So, But the creature is still alive. Uh, there are so many creatures in Arkansas. Arkansas has got 19 million acres of forest land. Now that, you know, but it's, it's not a big state, but 19 million acres of forest land. Out of that, supposedly there's 11.9 billion trees in Arkansas. Plus, I don't know how much of it is mountains, but we've got the Ozark Mountains. We've got the Washtenaw Mountains. We've got, uh, oh, I can't think of the other uh, mountain range. But anyway, there's mountains too. So not only do you have that flat land, but whatever the land goes up, you've got that kind of, uh, of, of land spikes too. And, and the creatures are here. And there's, there's 13 rivers that run within 60 miles of Texarkana, my hometown right there, 13 rivers. If you saw the legend of Boggy Creek, the most memorable line is, they always travel the creeks. That's Burn Stearman. He was the weatherman. He was Charles B. Pierce's co-weatherman from this uh, other show. But he had a boy, he had just Jim Reeves crooning voice that was just, I mean, you, when you heard it, man, you're like, oh, golly, you know. And so uh, anyway, he was uh, he was the voice of that right there and the narrator, narrator of part of uh, the legend of Boggy Creek. So, uh, again, the, the story is still real because the story is still going on. And uh, like I said, Sulphur River, I asked one of the game wardens. I was fishing last year. He came up to me, and I was in Texas. And I live in Arkansas. And he goes, well, you paid $58 for that out-of-state license. He said, don't you want to show it to somebody? And I said, yeah, but not you. And he goes, why not me? And I said, because I've got to know first where you're having all your Bigfoot reports here in Bowie County, which is the county just right across the state line from Texarkana and, and uh, from Texarkana, Arkansas, and Texarkana, Texas. And he just laughed. And he said, so you're a monkey hunter, huh? And I said, no, I'm a monkey finder. I said, I'm not a monkey hunter. We had a big laugh and everything. And he was very gracious. He said, he said, you want to know? I said, yeah. He said, all my the sightings. He said, we had one three nights ago there from somebody that was out looking for it or come in a place called Decab, Texas, and a place called Sims, Texas. Well, guess what runs right next to Decab, Texas, and Sims, Texas? Sulphur River. And so, again, like I said, just, just justifying what had already surmised, but I already knew after that. And so to, to, to have that right there, uh, to have the game warden, and, and he said, now, I've never seen it. Man, I couldn't stand that. I whooped that phone out. Now you have. He goes, oh, my gosh. And he said, I'm going to have to change the way I look at things. I said, you better. <laughs> so I said, it's all, you know, when Bigfoot starts chasing, you're going to remember, you're going to wish you listened to Will whenever you know what to do next, you know. And so we had a big laugh. He said, but he's remained a friend of mine since that day right there. And, and uh, to, to get the, they're not allowed to, to say, I don't think that, yes, they're real. But early this year, one of the deer hunters down there at the same place that I'm talking about, the, the paper and the news report that an, an animal, Let's put that in quotation marks. An animal attacks local hunter. Well, man, how many animals are there around where y'all live there in Indiana that you don't recognize? Do you recognize a bear? Yes, you do. No do you recognize a pig? Yes, you do. Do you recognize a coyote? Yes, you do. If something like that went and it actually attacked you and actually scratched this man up, wouldn't you know that it was more than, quote, an animal? Yes, it would, but they won't give me any information on that just yet. But I am still going to be digging on that to find out what, quote, that animal was because it's right there on a wildlife management area. It's called White Oak Wildlife Management Area, and that was on my UPS route. And that was where I had had some, some of the stops several nights and knocked on trees and, and did some calling to have the things answered. So, Well, you really, uh, Will, you've definitely had a lot of stuff going on. And it'd be awesome if Brian and I could come down there at some point when we get time and yeah, no meet up with you and you take us out. And we, sounds, sounds like we definitely. 
definitely be able to see a Bigfoot or have some. Well, I, man, the chances are, I mean, even truthfully, even driving home, you're liable to see a Bigfoot. I mean, that's just the honest truth. There's more creatures than what these people, than what people want to acknowledge. It upsets their apple cart when you admit that there's a Bigfoot, but there is Bigfoot around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, in fact, oh, I've lived all my life. I've never seen nothing. So what? You know, there's a lot of things that I've done in my life that you haven't, but that doesn't make any difference. But it, but there's an opportunity. It's not an exact science, but your probability level goes up. People say, man, what I got to do to have a Bigfoot sighting? Well, the first thing is get on there and find you someplace. There's several good websites there that you can look at. I looked on y'all's today here before I got on the, the show here, and there's some places there that list some of the sightings that they've had in Indiana. Man, get on there. Uh, it was it Marion County? I think maybe it was something like that there in Indiana. And yeah. I believe it was yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And uh, there and, and, and then where it had been seen. Go to that area right there. And uh, if nothing else, if you've got, I, I generally tend to go to, a, if I can't get access to anybody's land, you've generally got some boat ramps there at the public, uh, you know, where you put your boats in. You've generally got some wildlife management areas or you've got some state parks or, or forest land that you can go oh, to. Yeah, we have a lot yeah. of that here. Yeah, you do, man. Y'all got a bunch. And and mm-hmm. to take advantage of that right there, but I tell people, if you want to have a Bigfoot sighting, the first thing to do is go somewhere where you've actually had encounters uh are people have actually had encounters so that ups your odds a whole lot you know not that you can't see one anywhere because you can't but that ups your odds a whole lot right there yeah we're, we're yeah. actually not in too bad of a spot because we're not far from michigan either oh yeah man michigan michigan yeah. is just unreal starting out with i don't know what y'all feel uh there's some other creatures that's got it start there in michigan i won't mention them dog just, man dog man exactly right and dog man is real we've we've seen dog man we're oh, just yeah. starting yeah we're just starting to get a lot of dog men down here yeah. and we actually uh Steven, I think it was February 26th last year, we actually had a dog man, three Bigfoot, two, another dog man over there hiding underneath the tree, and then two Bigfoot walking along the, the tree line. We didn't see the, the other dog man or the two Bigfoot walking along the edge of the tree line until later on until we examined the pictures. But Steven, my research uh-huh. actually got the picture of the dog man. And dog man is real. Didn't want to acknowledge it. Oh, um, my wife certainly didn't want me to because she's like, well, it's hard enough to defend you against these people who make fun of you. Cause she loves me, believe it or not, for whatever reason, bald as I am, uh, she loves me. And she, it's hard enough to, 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 to take up for you like that. And then where you mentioned dog me. And, and so I quit, I didn't do it for a long time, but finally I just could not do it because there would be, I actually saw something. And whenever I did, it was time to tell somebody cause I wouldn't feel right if something happened to somebody. So we actually yeah, got the picture. Yeah, it seems like man. sightings, the dogman sightings are getting to be more and more common now, like, much like Bigfoot. The, here's the good news. Down here, the dogman, the reputation that he has of being just a vicious killer. Now, the next night, I say he may have just ripped me to shreds. But so far, we haven't had any type of aggressive encounter with this dogman. They're just there. Like I said, they run with our Bigfoot yeah. down here. And that's the honest truth. And and so, uh, you know, now there's a such thing as a gugway. I don't know if y'all have heard of the gugway, it's, but the gugway is actually vicious. It's the snouted Bigfoot. I have one try to get me on March the 1st or 2nd, about three years ago, as I was coming home from what's called Keith Crabtree's Spring Campout. And that's a week camp down at Smith Park. The camping is free. I mean, some really, really good Bigfoot researchers there. And so as I was on my way down there uh, that Sunday, I go to church that morning. So I go to, between the day to spend time and then I had to go back to church at night. Well, I had seen a big X structure over there. 
So I wanted to look at it. So on the way back, I left already enough where I could go check the X structure. Well, when I'm down there checking the X structure, I see something running actually on all fours coming across this oak flat. And I thought, well, man, that's a big old hog. Well, man, whenever he got close enough, I realized it wasn't a hog. And he looked at me and I looked at him. He's still on all fours crawling. He goes into some brush. And so I'm like, that's a Bigfoot. Well, I didn't know anything really about a Gugway, just to be honest with you. So I start trying to chase him down to get pictures. I've got my phone out and everything, and I've got just a little 40 caliber. I go walk up there, and all of a sudden, I put on the brakes, and I look, and there he is hidden behind a laying log that has a root system that's got, like, spider web or, or octopus tentacles like that, and he's got his head stuck down between her, and he's looking at me. And then I, I see the movement. Well, when he, take, he turns back, and he looks to his left like he's got one of his buddies with him. So I already had my phone out. Like I said, I got three pictures, and I took off running. I haven't run from a Bigfoot since 1977. I'm 60. I'll be 63 next week. And I've uh, said I'm still about 275 pounds and got two metal knees. And, buddy, hey, Usain Bolt ain't got nothing on me. He would have <laughs> lost his world record right then because I'd have shamed him because I got back to the truck. <laughs> and so I uh, got my pictures, and I sent it to my buddy Randy. He has two computer monitors he puts on his desk. And, man, he gives me the grill, and he goes, we're going to go down there tomorrow. I said, no, we're not tomorrow. I said, I got news for you. So I've got post-traumatic stress syndrome. I can't go tomorrow. Well, luckily, my son had ordered me a 4570 rifle. If y'all know what kind of power that thing has, it'll shoot lengthwise to a grizzly bear. Well, a little 40 caliber Glock pistol ain't going to do squat. So anyway, I got that rifle. We went back down there. Man, we lined up everything. We probably took 50 pictures. And again, there's it was just like I told him it's there. And I think I may have sent you all that picture. You can yeah. see the one that's back there that's hiding. It's got the snout. Scared me to death, and but they're vicious, and uh, they tend—they're known as whistling bears. And they tend to be a three-toed track. The Falk monster, if you've heard the story, tended to be a three-toed track at yeah. first. And one of the first times me and Stephen came down here, we actually had someone up on us whistling. Now, whether it was actually Bigfoot who can whistle, or whether or not it was a, a dog man—I mean, I mean a gugway—we just really don't know. But like I said, it was enough that once I got that rifle, I felt a whole lot better. So. Again, guys, I'm sorry to monopolize you. Y'all go ahead, man. Bud. You're fine. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. We don't want to take too much more of your time. We might get you back on again with with a lot more well, stories. It sounds like you got uh, yeah. sounds like you got a lot to talk about. So, uh, <laughs> well, man, we do you, appreciate you coming on tonight and telling us all this stuff and talking about uh, the Falcon Monster and and that whole. Well, man, thank awesome. y'all. Uh, man, I've, I've told y'all the truth. I told you that, and like I said, I think the evidence that I sent y'all will will speak to the fact that I'm speaking truth. I don't know how, I don't know, I've got a lot of pictures. I don't know who, who has more, don't really count. I don't count the number of sightings I had, but I know I have. We've had a lot of sightings this year. March was just, I mean, April was just incredible uh, for us down here. A friend of mine came down from Alaska, took him down there, and, uh, man, he, you know, to fly in like that on his own dime, he'd come in in October, got COVID, had to go back. But anyway, he got to see. And so whenever he did, man, I mean, and boy, he's a smart researcher too. He's going to be, a, his name's Daniel Becker, and he's going to be a big benefit to us. So again, guys, thank y'all, cool. man. I appreciate it. I've looked forward to this since y'all contacted me. Um, uh, as you can so tell, we, love, we have too. We have too. I, I love to talk about it and would love to talk to you about it again, man. If y'all want to hang on here and talk another couple of hours, hey, I'll go get me a Mountain <laughs> Dew and, and we'll keep going, you know, as far as that yeah. goes. But I do appreciate it. And again, folks, please know uh, that, that I'm telling you the truth. That Bigfoot is real. There's, oh, there's we, no doubt about it. There's no believe. doubt yeah. about it. And uh, again, let me thank the surface people and our law enforcement people who let, who, what they do for us lets us do what we do right here. And, and I appreciate them That's so right. much for what they do. And I appreciate y'all, man, guys, y'all bringing this out to the open. It is That's doing, what we're trying to do. 
yeah, it, it's doing more for it than what you actually realize because uh, there's actually a group out here of us now. It's not about the million dollar picture. It's about making this information aware and, and right. some things that are quote classic Bigfoot behaviors and things like that. And if we, if we can do that, you guys have done your job and, and, uh, and man, uh, I'll be glad to talk to you anytime. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely so have please, you back on oh, for another. Oh, man, we will definitely do. have you back. Yeah, well, if you do, sure. I appreciate that, man. Like I said, just let me know. I can. I'm retired. I can free myself. All I got to do is just get all my my clothes folded, my dishes washed, and all the other th housework I have here. <laughs> to do. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. and and spread the word. I mean, if there's other people there that want to come on and tell us about their encounters yeah. too, and man, I would I would love to know. do that. That man, I named, told you, I named Randy Richmond. Randy's had three encounters: one here in Arkansas, and two in Falk. And uh, okay. boy, he's, he's yeah. I trust him. Yeah, I trust him with my life. Yep. And uh, so, man, I'd, I'd be glad to get him and some of the other guys on there as well. So, It'd be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can't that. tell you how much I appreciate y'all again. We appreciate you, know. you William. Yeah. We really do. We appreciate you. And the people who took the time to listen to us, man, they've got anybody they could listen to. The fact that they chose, I don't take that lightly, but they chose to listen to us. I appreciate them as well. We do too. We do too. Absolutely. Yep. All right, bud. You take care. Hey, guys. Thank you. We'll be in touch. Right, we'll See you. Thanks. We will. I will appreciate y'all. You too. All right. And he's got a lot of activity going on down there, it seems like. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He's a pretty fortunate or unfortunate fella, well, however you want to look at it. Right, however you want to look at it. And his pictures, did you get to see those pictures, man? I did. Some of those were really, really compelling photos. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to put them out there on our on our uh, website when we, when we drop this episode. We do have a website now. www.cryptidcreatures.net Yep. Check it out, guys, and uh, let us know what you think. Him talking about the three-toed. Yeah. I always wondered about the three-toed with the Falk monster. You know, maybe it's a different kind of that that devil monkey kind of Bigfoot that people maybe like a hybrid about. kind of thing or something. Uh, who knows? Who yeah, knows in this world be. nowadays? I don't even know what to think anymore. I know. I know. The more we dig into this, the more questions pop up. The more confused we get, isn't it? Yep. But it's fun. It is fun. Oh, yeah, man. Always fun. Always learning. Right on. All right. Let's get out of here. Until next time. Yep, yep. See ya.